0: We are glad that you joined us today. Harrison Church is constantly being blessed with its members and volunteers who are devoted to experiencing and sharing the amazing Word of God. If you wish to contribute to his ministry, please visit us online at harrisonchurch.org forward slash donate. Thank you again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Indeed, God's love for us is everlasting, and I welcome each and every one of you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you all. For coming today. If you are visiting with us, it is a delight to have you here. I hope you'll join us again. I'm Shane. I usually am the one preaching here on Sunday morning at Harrison Church. It's just a great church, great community. It's good to see all of your faces. And it's such a beautiful day today. Uh, for those of you visiting with us, I need to let you know it's a beautiful day to talk about the wrath of God. And it's the congregation's fault. Let me kind of catch everybody up where we are today. Today is the first of about five sermons that uh, I'm going to be addressing and preaching on topics uh, from the questions that many of you asked well before Advent. You might remember there was these little cards, what are your theological questions? And today we're going to address the first question that some of you asked, which was, Why is the God of the Old Testament so wrathful? Wonderful topic. I cannot wait to begin the sermon series on this uh, address, but uh, here we shall go. So I'm going to read to you. Uh, Two passages of Scripture, one from the Old Testament and the other from the New Testament. So I invite you to stand as you are able for the reading of God's Word. The first from the Old Testament, Psalm 103, just a few select passages. The psalmist prays, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all His benefits who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good as long as you live, so that your new youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. We are in the Old Testament here. He will not always accuse, nor will He keep His anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is His steadfast love toward those who fear Him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far He removes our transgressions from us. That's the Old Testament, Psalm 103. And now we're going to hear from the New Testament few verses from Paul's letter to the Romans in chapter 1. Paul says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and wickedness of those who by their wickedness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling a mortal human being or birds or four-footed animals or reptiles. Here's an interesting verse that we'll talk about. Therefore God gave them up and the lusts of their hearts to impurity to the grating of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. This is the word of God for us the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Here we go. All right, so uh, not quite so much a sermon today, it'll be a lot of teaching today. Uh, If you are here last week, I gave you three points and a poem. I won't be able to do that really uh, this week. And I do want to say this before I really dive in to our topic that you asked about, why is the God of the Old Testament so wrathful? I just feel like I need to say this. Said over the next five weeks, I'm going to be addressing some of your questions, or we're going to be preaching on topics inspired by your questions. Now, what I have to say to you is that most of what I'm going to be talking about, there is no official position the Methodist Church, about many of the subjects we will be discussing, which means, I have to say this, what I'm about to give you today and in the ensuing weeks is really going to be my interpretation, although I think it's going to try to be the most faithful interpretation that I can give you, so that means there's a little room for us. Some of you may agree, some of you may disagree. We've got to argue with, the, uh, well, we should argue civilly with each other about these things, this is what we're supposed to do. So I welcome your questions. My email address is on the worship program. I love talking about these things. But this is my interpretation. I sometimes think the reason that God does not ever give us really a definitive answer for most of our theological questions is because if he did that, we wouldn't argue with each other anymore. Uh, and I think God really loves a good argument because really if you argue civilly with someone over ideas, you actually go deeper. There are things you learn with each other, okay? Okay. So I just need to say that right off the bat. So let's dive in here. Your question, why does the God of the Old Testament seem to be so wrathful? Let me just kind of say at the outset here that this question really has its origins and what I I don't know how else to call it in a kind of anti-Jewish, you don't mean this, but kind of an anti-Judaic bent of mind and it has a very long history within the church. One of the things that I think is critical for us to remember as Christians is that Christianity actually began within Judaism. It's obvious, but sometimes we need to remind ourselves of that. It began as a Jewish movement. Jesus was Jewish. All the disciples were Jewish. All the letters we have here of the New Testament were written by Jews. St. Paul, who wrote most of what we know as the uh, New Testament, we kind of have this caricature of Paul. How many of you have ever heard the story of the Damascus Road experience of Paul? Anybody ever heard of that? All right, that's supposed to be the story. It's in the book of Acts where Paul gets blinded by the light of the resurrected Christ. And we call it Paul's conversion. And some of us think that Paul was converted from a Jew to a Christian. No, 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 no. That's a misreading. Paul was not converted from Judaism to Christianity. He remained, if you read the rest of his letters, within Judaism. He never left it. Although he believed Jesus, the Messiah, was the fulfillment of his religious faith within Judaism. but This is good. So it's kind of an anti-Jewish bent of mine. Uh, Let's remember (laughs) it comes out of Judaism. All right, so this idea, this belief that the God of the Old Testament is a wrathful God, I'm going to share with you some terms. If you look on the back of your order of worship, we may have them on the screen here. Uh, I'm going to give you some key terms, some key words this is for your sake. Some of you are really diligent. You want to go research this a little bit further. So I'm going to let that, give that to you. So I'm going to give you really three key points in church history where I think in my reading this idea that the Old Testament God is so wrathful came from. Uh, the first key term up here is this guy who lived about 150 years after the resurrection of Jesus. His name was Marcion, Marcion. He was a church teacher. He was a theologian. Well, one day, 150 years after the resurrection of Jesus, he began reading passages of the Old Testament, especially passages within the Old Testament that troubled him. And he began to say things like, you know, this Old Testament God, I think is a different God from the New Testament God. Yeah, the Old Testament God, he's a wrathful God. But the God of the New Testament He is a merciful and forgiving God. Therefore, Marcion said, here's my proposal. He said this to his congregations. Let's take a Bible, and uh, let's just rip out the Old Testament. Throw it away. And then we're going to get like the Gospel of Luke and a few of the letters of Paul that depict the forgiveness of God, and that's going to be our Bible. And we're going to worship the true God, which is the New Testament God. Now, we hear that and think, well, that's crazy. But you know what? If you read the history Marcion... His teaching became Marcionism. Man, it really caught fire. A lot of people started to believe this. And then you had what's called the Orthodox instructors of the faith, the Orthodox. They condemned, Marcion, his teaching as a heresy. What they said is, wait a minute, Marcion. The Old Testament God is the same as the New Testament God. You can't just throw away your Old Testament. Now, although Marcionism was declared a heresy, the teaching lived on. The reason we even ask the question or even have pondered the question, the old wrathful Old Testament God, it comes from Marcionism, among other things. One of the reasons when you're in seminary, they always make you learn these ancient heresies is because they still live with us, just in different forms. They just wear different clothes. You ever seen that little Bible, that little tiny Bible that doesn't have an Old Testament in it, but it has the Psalms and the New Testament? They don't mean any harm, but it's kind of for Marcionism. All right? So that's the first rung of the ladder, Marcion. We can trace this idea of the wrathful God back to him. Now, the second one. Uh, The second uh, ladder or rung on the ladder is uh, really a stereotype, and this was very uh, prevalent in the Protestant Reformation. Uh, You know, the people who were not Catholic and were protesting against the church, but there was this stereotype And not all the Protestant leaders did this, but many of them did. But the stereotype was this stereotype of the Torah, or what we would consider the law of Moses. And many teachers, especially within Protestantism, taught that the law of Moses, the Old Testament, the Torah, was this heavy, burdensome, oppressive, awful set of rules that God laid upon the Jewish people. (laughs) Martin Luther, founder of what we call the Lutheran Church, here's how he once described the Torah. He says the Torah is like a whip that just whips you to the cross. It's like a whip. It beats you to the cross. That's how he described the law of Moses. Now, here's the thing that we've got to think through. How does the Torah itself, the Old Testament itself, describe the law of Moses? i got a couple of passages for you, both from the Psalms. Psalm 119, for instance, says this. Happy are those who walk in the Torah of the Lord. Oh, I, how I love your Torah. How sweet are your words. That's from Psalm 119. Or think about Psalm one. Blessed is the one whose delight is in the Torah of the Lord. Now, does that sound like oppression and a whip? Is that how the Torah is defining the Torah? (laughs) No. And what we need to understand is that for the Jews today, as it was in the ancient world, the Torah was understood to be a gift from God. This is an act of grace. This is not a burdensome, awful onus and oppression. Now, Paul would go on to teach that he believed Jesus fulfilled the law for us, but even Paul himself did not understand the Torah. It's this awful, burdensome thing. So that's kind of the second rung on the ladder. All right, we're moving on. So Marcionism, Protestant Reformation. And the third trace where we get this idea that the God of the Old Testament is a wrathful God comes from a guy named Anselm of Canterbury. Now, you may never, never have heard of Anselm. I bet you you have heard his teaching. You just didn't know it. All right, so Anselm, about 1,000 years ago, so this is actually before the Protestant Reformation. If you would like to take notes, you can like draw an arrow above the Protestant Reformation. But about 1,000 years ago, so not 2,000, but just 1,000, he came up with the idea of why he thought Jesus died. and His theory was this, that God is a holy and just God. And our sin against God was building up this fury in God. God was getting very angry at us. He was becoming very wrathful for us, so much so that if our sins were to continue, he would exterminate all of us. But lo and behold, God sends his innocent son, punishes his innocent son, and now we're off scot-free. Hallelujah. You ever heard that before? This teaching of Anselm's really caught fire in Europe, and it migrated to the United States. This idea that Jesus was punished by his father. Now, here's what you need to understand. This assumption that God was so angry and he needed a blood sacrifice to appease his wrath. It actually does not come from the Old Testament at all. It actually comes from the other religions of the world. The pagan religions. They're the ones who understood God to be wrathful. Like Zeus. I need a sacrifice, he was throwing lightning bolts or, or that stereotype of some of those nativist religions where, you know, you throw somebody over the volcano to kind of appease the wrath of the gods, you know. That came from the other pagan, religion. it didn't come from the Old Testament. Now, am I saying that there's no wrath in the Old Testament? I'm not saying that. We're going to get to that. I'm not saying that at all. But here's what you need to understand, the difference between the pagan idea of God who needs a blood sacrifice, otherwise he's going to wipe us out, versus the God of the Old Testament. The difference is this, and I think this is so critical. What you find God doing in the Old Testament is beginning to make a pledge to his people that one day he was going to act himself to redeem them. He was going to act himself to keep the covenant that they could not make. God says, I'm going to act myself to bring about the forgiveness of sins. That is not, I'm so angry, I'm so furious with you, I'll punish my son. But we do find God saying, I'm going to act myself. And he does this not out of fury, but out of grace and out of his love. Uh, St. Paul in Romans chapter 5. One of the things that Paul says is, While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This proves God's, does anybody know? This proves God's love toward us. Paul does not say this proves God's anger. This proves God's wrath against us. But the New Testament understands the death of Jesus not as vengeance, a vengeful God punishing his son, but at God acting on behalf of us, taking upon himself willingly our sins. And that's an act of love. It is not an act of fury at all. So the New Testament, God is not this angry, God. You do not get that much. So, so much. some, some of these assumptions, though, this, this wrathful God, what I, where I really think it comes from is, is when we take the Bible, the Old Testament, and we begin to kind of do selective readings, and we just kind of isolate certain passages, and we just pin all of our kind of prejudices, our assumptions, on these certain stories, and we don't take the whole into consideration. I said last week to a couple of people, imagine this. Imagine if the only story we knew about Jesus of Nazareth was the day that he walked into the temple with a whip, overturned the table, and then uh, and, and, and threw out the moneylenders. What would, if that's the only story we had, what would you think Jesus was about? What would you think of his character? That's all you saw. You might think he had an anger problem. Ooh, 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 he's mad. But what happens when you, when you pull back the curtain, though, and you, and you read the whole story of his, you see a God who cares about just worship and right worship. But this is a God, I mean, Jesus shows us he was a man of mercy. He was a man who blessed the poor. He was the man who cared about the most vulnerable people at his side. You don't get this wrathful image at all when you pull the curtain back. And so when we go into the Old Testament, you've got you to gotta kind of pull the curtain back, and you've got to read the whole thing. How does God reveal Himself through the whole thing? Not in just certain passages. I read to you just a moment ago, Psalm 103. Beautiful psalm. And the psalmist says of the Old Testament God, he says, the Lord forgives you all your sins. As far as the east is from the west so far has the Lord removed our sins from us. That's Old Testament. Forgiveness is not a New Testament thing. It's an Old Testament thing. Mercy, reconciliation, all these things come from the Old Testament. I said uh, a few weeks ago, Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And a lot of people think that Jesus is the one who made that up. What was he actually doing? He was quoting Leviticus. Old Testament. That's where it came from. Here are some verses for you. Tell me, New Testament or Old Testament? I, the Lord your God, desire mercy and not sacrifice. What do you think? Old Testament. The Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Old or new? Old Testament. The Lord says, I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you, plans not to harm you. Is that Old or New Testament? That's Old Testament, that's right. Somebody said that's Jeremiah, Old Testament. And here's this one. I, the Lord your God, do not take pleasure even in the death of the wicked. I, the Lord your God, don't even take pleasure when wicked people die. Is that old or new? That's Old Testament. Trick question, I never quoted you the new. Now, does this mean that there's no wrath in the Old Testament? I'm not saying that, we're going to get to that in just a second. But it's in the New Testament too. You can find wrath there. I read to you from Romans chapter 1. Paul begins Romans by saying the the wrath of God is revealed. And then he goes on to say the wrath of God is revealed because people choose to worship created things, money, sex, power, more than the Creator. And then Paul does something I don't think we appreciate. He takes a little bit of a twist on this idea of the wrath of God. Did you see it? Paul says, the wrath of God is revealed, and then he says this, because God gave gave them up. He, He gives us up according to the desires of our lusts. You see what he's doing there? The wrath of God is revealed. God gives us up to the desires of our lusts. In other words, here's how Paul understands the wrath of God. Paul understands the wrath of God is when God just lets us get what we want, when he lets our desires just go and go and run amok, and then we just experience the consequences of our actions. The consequences of all of our desires running amok, and that's the punishment. The punishment is the consequence. It's kind of like having a child. Put on your knee pads, you're gonna hurt yourself. No, put on your knee pads, and you're gonna hurt yourself. No, all right, go ahead, skate, and then they fall and hurt themselves. Well, that's the consequence. I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, throwing lightning bolts at you. So the consequence is like the punishment, which is experienced like the wrath of God. That's interesting to me. So even Paul does not understand God is hurling lightning bolts at us. But sometimes the consequences of all of our lusts run amok. That, the consequences are the wrath. It's not God just switching on us. That's interesting. It's right there in Romans chapter 1. All right. got to wrap things up here. I do realize that there are some passages in the Old Testament that still give us heartburn what do we do with those? What do we do with these? I'm reminded of the words of one of my favorite teachers who said this. He said, fundamentalism happens when we take a text and we don't interpret it. Fundamentalism is text without interpretation. So what we have to do when we come across these passages in the Old Testament where God seems to be, whoo, this is, this is not the God I thought God was going to be. We, we have to peel back everything and look at the whole. Who does God reveal himself to be? Joshua, for instance. Joshua comes into the promised land, and he slaughters man, woman, child. He says, I'm doing this in the name of the Lord because the Lord has told me to do this. But then you've got to take that story. If you isolate that, then you're in trouble. But if you take that story and then you compare it to what the prophets say God wants... What God wants, according to the promise, is not bloodshed. God says, I'm tired of this. One day, every nation's going to come together, and they're going to beat their swords in the plowshares, and their spears in the pruning hook, and they're not going to learn war anymore. I, oh, the Lord your God, do not even delight in the death of the wicked, he says. Hey, We've got to put these things in context. That's God's dream. The firstborn of Egypt die. Here you know the plague story. And according to the story, God's Spirit comes among the Egyptians. God's Spirit, the firstborn of Egypt, die. Now, if we isolate that text, that can be trouble. But when we interpret it based on how the Jews interpret it, it changes things. Because when they remember the Passover, the Jews, when they have their Passover meal, meal there comes a moment when they actually drop drops of wine. You know what those drops of wine signify when they're reading the story? The tears of God. The tears that God shed when the Egyptians were dying. Why? Because God made them too. God made them too. What do you think about the flood story? I won't go too much into the detail. Last time I preached on the flood story, I got into real trouble. But God says to Noah, I'm going to flood the earth to destroy it. And you got this whole interpretive history of rabbis and great thinkers saying, well, why didn't, why didn't Noah try to stop him? Why didn't he try to save somebody? Abraham did. Abraham tried to intervene. Moses tried to intervene. So you see, it's not always just black and, and white. have got to look at the whole thing. But there's another way we interpret these stories, and I'll, I'll end here, and it's simply this, is that you and I, and I said this on Christmas Day, what we believe about Jesus is that we believe Jesus is our true Bible. Jesus is the true Bible for Christians. John's Gospel says Jesus was the Word of God. That Word of the Old Testament God made flesh. The Word of the Old Testament God who lived and breathed among us. And the Bible, the New Testament says that whatever we see in Jesus is exactly what God wishes to say to us. Jesus reveals the true heart of God. Jesus is the definitive Word of God. Colossians 1.15 says that Jesus Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. And what we see in Jesus is not a God who is just furious. We we see a God who will lay down his life for us. Mercy and hope. Jesus is the true revealed word of God. So whenever I come across passages of the Old Testament... And I see a God there that doesn't quite line up with Jesus. This is what I do. And this may be the most controversial part of my sermon. I ask myself, does the image of the God I find here, does it line up with the image of God revealed to us fully in Jesus? We argue with that. But I always put the weight on Jesus because he's the word of God. He's the true word of God made flesh. So what we can trust is that God... The God of the Old Testament, the whole story is a God who is really for us. Jesus reveals that the God of the Old Testament is the God who sent his Son into the world not to condemn the world, but to save it. And if God really is for us, as Paul said, who really can be against us? You can trust this God, it doesn't solve all the problems. But Jesus is whoever God is, and whoever God is, is Jesus. Let us pray. Well, Lord, you have revealed yourself fully in the man of Jesus of Nazareth. He is your true word, and in Christ we see mercy, we see hope, we see forgiveness. We see you, O God, acting yourself to repair what we have broken, and you did not do it because you were furious with us. You did it because you loved us. And so help us trust that we can trust you, that you really are the God who is for us and for our salvation. Your anger, as your word declares, lasts just a moment. In the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Harrison Church. To stay connected to Harrison happenings, please follow us on Facebook or Twitter at HarrisonUMC or online at HarrisonChurch.org.